I'm going to read the Word of God just now as it's found in the Gospel according to St. Luke. Just while others are gathering with us, can we welcome each and every one of you in the Savior's precious and worthy name. It's good to see the church well filled this morning and maybe some that are visiting with us. And if that's you today, we welcome you especially in the Savior's great name. If it's your first time with us or your first time in a little while, we're very, very glad to see you. And as always, if we can pray with you or pray for you, uh, that's part of the reason why we're here as well. And it is our prayer that you'll know the blessing of the Lord. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 26, this beloved portion of God's precious Word. Luke chapter 1, and beginning at the 26th verse, please. Let us hear the Word of God together. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, down to verse number 38. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And we know that the Lord himself will bless to his own namesake the reading of his precious word. Let's turn, please, again to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. You'll find our text this morning in verse number 30. In recent weeks, we have been thinking about some of the great giants that we face. And last Lord's Day morning, and today, and God willing, next Lord's Day morning, Christmas Day morning, we're thinking about the great giant of fear. And it's interesting that even regarding the coming 
of the Savior into the world, individuals that the Lord in His sovereignty had chosen to greatly bless, in the midst of it all found themselves overcome with fear. Joseph, Mary, and the shepherds all experienced fear, even as the Lord was on the brink of bestowing great blessing upon them. Our text this morning, verse 30, Luke chapter 1, the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Let's pray together that the Lord will speak to our hearts just now. Let's pray. Loving God and everlasting Father, we thank Thee once again that we're found at the Savior's feet, at the throne of grace with the open Bible before us. We pray this morning that Thou wilt speak to our hearts. We need Thee, Lord, so much. And yet, Lord, we thank Thee for the confidence that we have received, even as we think about the promises of God. We pray, Lord, as we come to Thy feet just now, that Thou wilt speak to our hearts. Grant the help of heaven, the infilling of the Spirit of God, upon preacher and hearer alike. And may all things dovetail together for thy glory. Give encouragement to all that are gathered here today. Hear and answer prayer. We ask it with thanksgiving in the Savior's name and for God's eternal glory. Amen. Even whenever things are for us, we can still at times be overcome with fear, especially whenever we do not understand what God is doing Maybe we can't see the end result, or we feel that somehow things are out of or beyond our control. Now, the Word of God affirms in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 31 concerning the Christian that God is for us. If God be for us, then who can be against us? And Christian people today need to be reminded of that great truth. God is for us. And not only does Romans 8 remind us that God is for us, but verse 28 indicates that all things under God are working together for good for us. It doesn't mean that all things that happen to us are good. It doesn't mean that everything that we experience is good. It doesn't mean that everything that we undergo in life is good, but it means that all things are working together for good. Things that are unpleasant and difficult, as well as blessings and trials, are all working together for our good. God is for us, and under God, things are working together for good for us. And yet, even at the same time, whenever we know those truths, we can still be fearful, troubled, and afraid. And this is seen several times in the circumstances concerning our Savior's coming into this world of ours. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 20, the angel of the Lord said to Joseph, Joseph, fear not. Joseph was afraid even though things were working together for good in his life, even though God is for him, Joseph was still afraid. In Luke chapter 2, verse 10, the shepherds were afraid. The angel of the Lord came, 
bringing them good news, glad tidings of great joy, which should be for all people and especially for them. And yet the Bible says they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, fear not. And here in Luke chapter 1, we have the circumstances regarding Mary. And the Lord had chosen Mary for a wonderful purpose. And God was going to bless her abundantly. And God was going to bless her richly and use her for a great purpose and for his ultimate glory. And yet Mary was afraid. Verse 29 says she was troubled. And then in verse number 30, the angel said unto her, Fear not Mary. Now, whether it's Joseph or Mary or the shepherds, we have to remind ourselves that their fears were very real. We could also say that their fears were even reasonable. They were legitimate fears, perhaps. Now, we shouldn't be afraid, but sometimes we are. And sometimes we can justify our fears and why we're afraid. And yet, in all of these circumstances regarding the nativity, the things that they feared were working out for their favor and for their blessing. And the hand of God and the eternal purposes of God were being worked out in their lives more now than ever in this day and generation. I believe we need to be reminded of the great truths of Isaiah chapter 12 and verse number 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He has also become my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. And yet with Joseph here in this portion of God's precious word, and here now with Mary, we see the reality and the reasons and the remedy and even the results of their fear. And here we're today considering these little words, fear not Mary. Luke chapter 1 and verse number 30. And as we did last Lord's Day, we're just going to give a, an overview of the passage, looking at this text within its context. Just a little whistle-stop tour, if you like, of the verses that we have read together. So look first of all, please, at verse number 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a, a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, whenever it speaks there about the sixth month, that's speaking about the sixth month of Elizabeth having conceived and about to bring forth a son called John. That's affirmed in verse number 36. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also hath conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Did you ever notice in Scripture that oftentimes the barren wombs gave birth to the best sons? Oftentimes, the barren wombs gave birth to the best sons. Whenever you consider the patriarchs in the nation of Israel, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, they were all born out of wombs that were barren. Whenever you consider Samson, Manoah's wife, 
was barren. Whenever you consider John the Baptist, his mother Elizabeth was barren. And even whenever you consider Mary, Jesus Christ was her firstborn son. The barren wombs in Scripture often gave birth to the best sons. And maybe today you look at your life, and maybe you even look at your service, and you're tempted to say, my service for God has been barren and dry. Many of us can testify to that experience. But in the Old Testament Scriptures, promises are given, exhortations are given, encouragements are given to those that are barren. Sing, O barren, thou that bids not bear, you will break forth into singing. The Bible says that more are the children of the barren. And we pray today that God will bless us in our labors and that even in these days of barrenness and dryness, that the Lord will give great fruit for our labors. And this woman, Elizabeth, had been barren. And yet the angel Gabriel had appeared to Elizabeth's husband, a man called Zacharias. Zacharias was a priest. And Zacharias and Elizabeth were blameless before the Lord. And they walked before the Lord. And in verse number 19, the angel Gabriel said to Zacharias, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee. And those same words could have been spoken here to Mary. Verse 26, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. This angel Gabriel that stands in the presence of God Almighty and goes at the beckoning call of God to speak to Zacharias, to speak, we believe, to Joseph, and certainly to speak to Mary, and come from the very presence of God Himself with a message for those who were fearful and also for those who were barren. The Bible says that angels are ministering spirits. The word angel just means messenger. And here is an angel sent from God to minister to a woman who had great needs in her life. And so, friends, you see again this morning the great importance of not just coming to a worship service, but coming to hear the voice of God. You see again the importance of having a quiet time with God, being alone with God and getting a word from God for your soul. And we trust and pray that God has been speaking to your hearts in these days. And we pray that even in the year that lies ahead, that God will come week after week and that we might receive messages from God Himself. And you'll notice as well that the angel Gabriel was sent from God in verse 26 onto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, Nazareth wouldn't have been man's choice. Nazareth was a city that was despised. In fact, it is said in John chapter 1, 45 and 46, the question is asked, could anything good come out of Nazareth. And yet God chose Mary and God chose Nazareth and we see the proof and the truth of Scripture that God often chooses the weak things 
and the foolish things and the things that are despised that no flesh should glory in his presence. God's choice does not always tally with man's choice. And God often moves in ways that are unexpected. And maybe that's happening in your life today. God is moving in an unexpected way. God is moving in an unprecedented way. And yet in it all and through it all, God is speaking into your heart and into your life. Notice verse 27. The angel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin. Fulfillment of prophecy again. Isaiah 7, 14. The Lord shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shall call his name Emmanuel. And this virgin, Mary, was espoused to a man. Now, the word espoused there means betrothed. It's a little bit more than a formal engagement. It goes a little bit further than that. They weren't formally married yet, but they had entered into a covenant already, an agreement already, a promise already that they were going to marry each other. And his name was Joseph, and he was of the house of David. Joseph was from the royal line. And Joseph would become the Lord Jesus Christ's adoptive father. And in that, the Savior would have a legal right to claim the inheritance of the throne of his father David and reign as king. And the Scripture says the virgin's name was Mary. Now Elizabeth conceived in her old age, but Mary conceived whenever she was very young. In all likelihood, Mary could have even still have been a teenager. She was not well known. She was not wealthy. She didn't live in a palace. She lived in a town called Nazareth. And just like Nazareth itself, and just like Bethlehem, which was the least among the thousands of Judah, Mary would not have been man's choice for the bringing of the Savior, the Messiah, into the world. And yet God sent an angel to speak to this young woman called Mary. And God had a word for her, and God had a promise for her, and God had a plan for her young life. And every young Christian today in this meeting, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. God has a word and season for you. God has a work for you to do. It might be a very humble work. You might never be known in the eyes of the world. But whatever God calls you to do, the Bible says His will, His plan, His purpose for your life is good and acceptable and perfect. And that's why that little chorus rings so true. Let the Lord have His way in your life every day. There's no rest and there's no peace until the Lord has his way. Place your life in his hands. Rest secure in his plans. Let the Lord, let the Lord have his way. And that's exactly what Mary's going to do in her life. She's just going to let the Lord have his way. Notice verse 28. This great verse begins a section that is often known as the Annunciation. This angel speaking to Mary, 
about the plan and purposes of God for her life and bringing a Savior into the world. Now, these are remarkable words. Look at what it says. The angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Now, it's true today to say, and we must remind ourselves, that the Roman Catholic Church exalts Mary to a position that is unbiblical. They call her the Queen of Heaven. They address her as being the Mother of God. They often go as far as saying that she is a co-redemptrix, a partner in the great plan of redemption, a co-redeemer, just as important in the plan of salvation and in the work of atonement as Jesus Christ himself was. They pray to Mary, they venerate Mary, they call her an intercessor, and so on and so forth. And if the Roman Catholic Church has gone to an extreme in venerating Mary, perhaps the Protestant evangelical churches have fallen short in diminishing Mary, and perhaps not giving her the place that she is afforded in Scripture. Because it says in verse number 42 and 43 that even Elizabeth said, Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this, that the mother of my Lord, not the mother of God, but the mother of my Lord, the mother of the earthly humanity of Jesus Christ the Savior, the mother of my Lord. And in verse number 48, we read the words, as Mary spoke, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. The Bible presents Mary as being the blessed virgin Mary. She was highly favored, greatly graced, that means. Doesn't mean that she in and of herself was full of grace. It means the grace of God was bestowed upon Mary in a remarkable way. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Not above women, but she was blessed among women. And the angel said, Heal Mary. The angel didn't worship Mary. The angel didn't pray to Mary. But the angel granted Mary great blessing and great honor and great respect. And I think there's a certain degree in which every Christian can testify that the Lord has highly favored us. God has given to every Christian great grace. And the Lord has given to every Christian something of his presence. Christian today, thou art favored. And the Lord is with you. And the Lord certainly has blessed you. Look at verse number 29. And when she saw him, she was troubled. Even in the old economy, before the canon of Scripture was complete, the appearance of angels to believers, I'm convinced, was a relatively rare thing. It seems that Mary, Joseph, Zacharias, and the shepherds had never seen or been visited by an angel before. And as far as Mary was concerned, this was something rare, something unexpected, something that was unknown to her, something that she was unfamiliar with. And the immediate result is she was troubled. 
even though the angel had appeared to bless her and enrich her and speak to her and bring a message of God to her. And it may be that in your circumstances this year, even presently, or perhaps even in the year to come, you're going to face something that is unfamiliar to you. Something that is unknown, something that you did not desire or expect. And if the last two or three years has taught us anything, it has taught us to expect the unexpected and to prepare and to seek the Lord and to be ready for circumstances that are perhaps beyond our control. And it goes on to say in verse number 29, she cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Again, you see there the believer's thought life. She cast in her mind. She threw it all into her mind and she tried to work it out with human reasoning. And yet the scripture says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart Lean not on to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Just like the disciples in the upper room, we thought about them a few Lord's Day evenings ago, and the Savior appeared to them, and they had experienced something that they'd never experienced before, something that they couldn't explain or understand, and they tried to work it all out. And the Savior said, Why are you troubled, and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? And you had the same thing with Joseph. And now you've got the same thing with Mary. Thoughts are arising in her heart and mind. And the result is that she is troubled. Even though she had heard the great words of verse number 28. The Lord is with you. You're highly favored. God is about to bless you in a wonderful way. Everything that she heard was positive. And for her benefit and blessing, she was still troubled and still trying to work it all out. And are we ever really any different? So often in spite of what the Bible says, so often in spite of the promises that God has given us, so often in light of the grace that God has given us before, and the presence of God in our lives before, and the fear that God has shown in times past, Whenever a new trial comes, we find ourselves troubled and afraid and thoughts are rising in our hearts. And yet the Lord knows all about it. And he is still exceeding merciful. And we have this great text then in verse number 30. The angel knew about that. He could see it in her face. She was troubled. And the Lord sees it today, and He knows your trouble. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. Is there another sweeter than the Savior? No, not one. No, not one. And so you have in verse number 30, fear not, Mary. So many fear nots in Scripture. All of them well worthy of our study. Fear not, Mary. This is a personal word for you. Fear not, Mary, then the word for. We could render that because. Here's the reason, Mary, why you're not to be afraid. And here, the reason why Mary is not to be afraid is annexed to the commandment, fear not. And so often, that is God's way in the pages of Holy Scripture. He says, do not be afraid. 
And then connected with that, he gives us the very reason why we are not to be afraid. You have a beautiful picture of it in the prophecy of Isaiah and the 43rd chapter. Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Do not be afraid. Here's the reason why you're not to be afraid. I have redeemed you. I have shed my blood for you. You belong to me. You're my child. I know you and I've called you by name. Thou art mine. And you've got the same thing down there again in Isaiah 43 and verse number 5. Fear not, for I am with thee. And there's four great reasons why no Christian needs to be afraid. God's redeemed you. God's called you by your name. You belong to him, and he's with you, and he'll never leave you, and he'll never forsake you. And the angel says to Mary, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. You have received unmerited favor. God has given you grace, and God is going to give you more grace. You don't deserve it, Mary. You haven't earned it. You haven't worked for it. It's not within yourself. But God has given you grace. God is giving you grace. And God will in turn give you more grace. And dear friend, if God saved you and bestowed redeeming grace upon you, he'll certainly give you grace for today and grace for tomorrow. John Newton said, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. And then he went on to say, Grace has led me safe thus far. Grace will lead me home. Isn't that beautiful? This grace that saved me. Sure, the grace of God has brought me safe thus far, every step of the way. And that same grace will lead me safe, safely home. Over the last week and over the last fortnight and over the last month and over the last year, many believers connected with their church family found themselves brought home to glory. And it's just remarkable sometimes the grace that God gives to his people whenever they face their final moments on this earth. Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And there's something about the presence of God in the life of a Christian that can deal with man's greatest fears. Notice verse number 31 to 33. Very quickly, here's a succinct summary of the person and ministry of our Lord. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Verse number 31 shows us the Lord's humanity. Thou shalt conceive in thy womb. And there's the very real humanity of our Lord, Mary's son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. Verse 32, you've got his deity. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Verse 31 indicates his humanity. This is going to be Mary's son. 
Verse number 32 shows his daddy. He's God's son all the while. He's the son of the highest. And here we have God and man, two natures brought together in one person. The very nature of God welded together with the nature of man, the God-man Christ Jesus. I love the words of Isaiah 9 verse 6. Behold unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Did you notice that text? It says that the child was born, but the son was given. The son was never born. The son is eternal. The eternal son of God, without beginning and without end, became a man and the child was born. And that little child in that stable or that manger, if you like, just outside of Judea in Bethlehem. That little child was the very eternal Son of God, robed in human flesh. And then in verse number 33, you've got his kingship. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. He's the son of Mary. He's the son of God. But he's also spoken of in Scripture as the son of David. And the Bible says he's going to reign on David's royal throne forever. He reigns now in glory. And he reigns in the hearts of his people. But there's coming a day whenever every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And he will reign over the house of Jacob. And he'll reign on the earth. And then he'll reign in the new heavens and in the new earth. And Jesus shall reign where'er the sun doth his successive journeys run. His kingdom wax from shore to shore till worlds shall wax and wane no more. Did you ever read the last chapters of the Bible? It presents us with a reigning, a ruling, and a royal savior. I heard a story about a little boy who's reading one of these murder mystery novels. There's this old crook and he was going about and everywhere he went, he was causing mayhem and destruction. The wee boy sitting in his bed with a, a torch under the blankets reading about this awful villain. And he couldn't stick it any longer. And he went to the last chapter or two of the book and he read where this villain got it in the neck. And then he went back and he was able to read the rest of the novel. And every time that villain did something, he just said within his heart, if this man only knew what was coming. And it does the Christian well to read the last chapter or two of the Bible. All ends well for the Christian because Jesus Christ is reigning. And he will reign and must reign until he has put all things under his feet. Look at verses 34 to verse number 37. By the time you get to verse number 34, Mary knew what was going to happen, but she didn't understand how it was going to happen. And verse number 34 safeguards and highlights the doctrine of the virgin birth. The word virgin in Scripture means a lot more than just a young woman, as some people propose it to mean. It does mean a young woman, but it also means one who is not known a man. Mary is not trying to justify herself, herself or protect her testimony because she's alone with the angel, and she says on the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? She was a real virgin in the truest sense of the word. 
And then in verse 35, the virgin birth is explained. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And the language here is clear. That the humanity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was really physically produced in the womb of the Virgin Mary by the supernatural activity of God, the Holy Spirit. As it says in the old Westminster Shorter Catechism, the only Redeemer of God's elect is the Lord Jesus Christ, who being the eternal Son of God, became man and was and continueth to be God and man in two distinct natures and one person forever, conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost in the womb of the Virgin Mary and born of her yet without sin. Born without sin. He lived without sin. And he died without any sins of his own. But he took our sins and bore our sins in his own sinless body upon that tree. He's referred to in verse number 35 as being the Holy One. That holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And with God, verse 37, nothing shall be impossible. What a God we have and what a God we serve today. Notice in closing, verse number 38. We have thought as we have looked at these verses, the reality, the reasons, the remedy, and now the results of Mary's fear and her overcoming of it. Verse 38, look at Mary's response. Behold the hand made of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Mary's response is one of absolute resignation and absolute and complete surrender to the Word of God and therefore to the will of God for her life. Now, she did not understand it all, but she accepted it. This is what God says. This is what God's plan and purpose is for me. And therefore, I absolutely, fully, and completely resign myself to it. She didn't understand it all herself. Certainly, nobody else could really understand it. Even Joseph himself needed special revelation to grasp what had been said to Mary. But yet, she could rest in the plans and purposes of God for her life even though it would be a very difficult thing for her to fulfill, because we read on in Scripture that a sword will ultimately pierce her own soul. God's will is good. God's will is acceptable. God's will is perfect. But every Christian knows that oftentimes God's will is not always easy. And yet Mary has the conviction to say unto the angel, Behold, Here I am, just the hand made of the Lord. The word handmade denotes the lowest form of a servant. Just the least and the lowest. That's what she's saying. I'm the least and the lowest. But Lord, if I can serve you in any way at all, let it be done. Absolute commitment. Absolute surrender. Corrie ten boom. Some of you have read some of her books, The Hiding Place, 
tramp after God and many others. And yet her young life was used wonderfully in the plans and purposes of God, not only to preserve a a lot of Jewish people during the time of the Holocaust, but then to go and tell her story of how God preserved her and kept her and brought her through awful torment of body and soul in places like Ravensbrück concentration camp. And Corrie ten Boom said this, God uses our problems for his miracles. He uses our problems for his miracles. This was my first lesson in learning, learning to trust him completely. And Mary's the same. God is using her life, her difficulties, her uncertainties to fulfill his miracles. And she is now learning to trust him completely. Beloved, in anything that we undertake for the Lord, there will always be an element of fear. And yet to God he said, fear not Mary. If you want to live your life for him, he says, fear not for you as well. A young man once came to see it, Spurgeon, and said, Mr. Spurgeon, I have found a, a beautiful promise in the Bible. It has done me so much good. It's found in Isaiah chapter 56 and verse number 3. And he read out the promise to Mr. Spurgeon, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And a big smile spread across his face. And then Mr. Spurgeon looked back and said, Certainly that's a wonderful promise. I, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. But he said, can I respectfully say that I have got an even better promise? My promise is found in Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 2. I will trust and not be afraid. You see what he's saying? The psalmist said, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Isaiah said, but I will trust and not be afraid. Before the fear comes, I'm going to trust and I'm not going to allow fear to possess my life. May God encourage your soul, encourage your heart today. Thank you so much for your listening ear. Thank you for your attention.